This week, I'm going one-on-one with Mayor Joe Hogsett, talking crime, potholes, and the race for mayor. Plus, amidst a busy week, South Bend's mayor prepares for the first presidential debate, and we're on the ground in Florida after President Trump's campaign kickoff. Then, the race for Congress and the former mayor who may be considering a run. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Just three days now until the first presidential debate with 20 Democrats taking the stage over two nights. Bob Donaldson joins us this morning as well. And Bob, all of this happening just days after the president kicked off his 2020 campaign with a rally in Florida. Dan, that's right. The president took aim at Democrats in that speech, laying the groundwork for a contentious 2020 campaign. I stand before you to officially launch my campaign for a second term as President of the United States. The president officially kicked off his run Tuesday with a new slogan, Keep America Great. He's raised more than $24 million in the day after his speech. Republican supporters say it's a sign of enthusiasm. After the speech, I spoke with Tony Samuel, the 2016 vice chair of the Indiana Trump campaign. He was in Orlando for the president's rally. What kind of a tone do you think this sets for the 2020 campaign? Um, a, a tone that gets folks excited, uh, energetic. 20,000 people, at least here inside the arena, it was full to capacity. Uh, others that couldn't get in, uh, people needed to hear from him. Uh, they're tired of being hoodwinked by, uh, you know, the fraud from the Mueller investigation. He talked about that a lot. They're tired of all the, the Democrats that are unhinged, uh, you know, fighting them at every uh, chance and obstructing at every chance that they can. So they needed a, a, a point of rallying, and, and that's what tonight was. We heard him go after Joe Biden a little bit there. Do you think we'll hear him go after other candidates in the days to come as the Democrats take the debate stage next week? Well, I think as, as topics come up, and, you know, they all take shots at him, and, and he's a great counterpuncher, and that's what he does. And, and uh, Joe Biden here lately has been making some, some crazy uh, uh, accusations and, and claims of, of taking the South and Southeast and Texas and that kind of thing. That's not going to happen. We know that. It's going to be a big win for President Trump, so he's going to punch back. Tony Samuel speaking with us Tuesday from Orlando. Meantime, Democrats prepared to debate this week South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg facing controversy over an officer-involved shooting in South Bend that brought him back home from the campaign trail until this weekend. He addressed the media on Wednesday after we learned the officer did not have his body camera on at the time of that shooting. Even a body camera doesn't solve everything but it is supposed to provide crucial evidence. It defeats the purpose of that system if it is not activated. The issue, no doubt, will come up as Buttigieg takes the debate stage next week amidst reports of a potential lawsuit there in South Bend. You'll have more with our panel on all of that later this morning. Meantime, Indiana Attorney General Curtis Hill facing a lawsuit this week. His accusers held a press conference announcing they're suing the AG and the state of Indiana. They say they've faced harassment and discrimination since they came forward with the accusations. Illegal and improper behavior should be addressed by our laws, no matter the perpetrator's title.
The suit was filed by the four women who accused Hill of groping them at a downtown bar last year. Meantime, this week, we're also talking about the race for mayor here in Indianapolis. That's right, Bob. On Wednesday, I spoke one-on-one -on -one with Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett. Up for re-election this year, I asked him about several recent controversies in the news. Mayor Joe Hogsett says he wants to focus on the future. Well, the young people are the future of our city. And on this day, the mayor met us here in Broad Ripple at an event for local kids. If you're back on the job, what is your hope for Indianapolis and what this city looks like four years from now? Oh, I, I, I hope it's a healthier, safer community. I hope these kids have every opportunity that they so richly and justly deserve. After the event, we walked through Broad Ripple Park to ask the mayor about some of the key issues facing the city of Indianapolis in this mayoral election year. So you're in your fourth year as mayor now, asking voters for uh, four more years. Is the city in better shape now than it was when you took office, do you feel? Yeah, in so many ways, we've made uh, a great deal of improvement. We've balanced our budget. That wasn't the case four years ago. We're going to, by the end of this year, have fully funded and hopefully fully staffed 150 additional police officers. That certainly wasn't the case four years ago. Um, we uh, unanimously through the council passed a $400 million four-year uh, investment in infrastructure. That obviously uh, wasn't on the table four years ago. We've started a comprehensive summer jobs program for our young people. We're launching Indy Achieves, which I hope will help Marion County kids access post-secondary education. I'm proud of those accomplishments, but there's still, there's still uh, work to be done. Yeah. You were on stage this past week at an event with uh, the Ten Point Coalition. Yeah. There's perhaps been some tension there in the past. There were a couple of city employees reprimanded for comments they made. Um, your opponent had said he wanted to see you do more in that instance. What can you say about your time with Ten Point this week and your plans for the future when it comes to their involvement in the city, their funding, etc.? Yeah, uh, Ten Point has always, they've always been very good uh, partners of mine. But Ten Point can't do it alone. They, they would be the first to tell you that they work very cooperatively with IMPD. And no doubt crime has been a key issue in this race for mayor. Along with potholes, it's the topic the mayor's opponent, Jim Merritt, has focused on intently. Crumbling roads, rampant crime, and a stagnation of opportunity. Your opponent has hit you hard on a couple of issues in particular, crime and potholes. And let's start with, with crime. You mentioned it there, public safety. When it comes to crime, what is the solution? Well, it's multifaceted and it's, uh, you know, the, the disproportionate amount of gun violence that occurs in neighborhoods throughout the city. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a ship that can't be turned around overnight. It's going to take all assets in our community. But another community issue had the mayor defending his record this past week, housing, after an Indy Star report suggested some of the city's numbers on rehabbed homes had been inflated. This is an oversight. It's fraud. But as for those numbers themselves, were they misleading in any way? Well, no, I think, uh, I think the definition that I set out for the program at its very beginning to try to transform and rehab, rehabilitate, and, and in some cases demolish 2,000 homes in two years, uh, I may have a disagreement with the Indianapolis Star about what the appropriate definition of transformed home may be, but here's what everybody agrees with. We're making real progress throughout neighborhoods. But can progress be made on the city's roads? 
I also asked the mayor about the politics of potholes. Potholes also, when you look out on these streets, it's certainly been an issue a lot of people have talked about this year. You've proposed a plan in your state of the city to pool some of the taxes from different municipalities on a regional basis to help get more funding for the city. Uh, is that a feasible plan? It seems like there's been some pushback from, from leaders in Hamilton County. Well, it's, I mean, uh, pushback is inevitable. Uh, the important thing is that the conversation has begun and it needs to be begun, and I'm happy to lead it if, if, uh, if my idea is worthy or if it's not. I'm open to any other ideas. Your opponent ended up in quite a, a back and forth earlier this month involving the Pride Parade. You, you haven't said a whole lot about that. Do, do you think he's genuinely changed his mind, as he says, on, on some of these social issues that have been in the news? Well, that's that's really up to him uh, and up to the voters. That's a decision that uh, ultimately uh, the voters will make. I will say uh, about Pride that it is a, an important celebration in our city's annual calendar. And it's a parade that I've been proud to uh, participate in and walk in for five years because I believe that all of our community coming together on weekends like the Pride Weekend really strengthen us as a community. Is this going to be an ugly campaign or a campaign of ideas? Well, I, I mean, I certainly have been uh, focused on the uh, the ideas that I believe not only we've accomplished in the first four years, but those ideas that I would like to see come to fruition if the people uh, decide to give me a, a, another four years. In other words, this campaign is not about personalities. It's really not about me or my opponent. It's about the future of the city of Indianapolis. It's about what we've accomplished in the last four years and what the people of Indianapolis want to see accomplished in the next four. And that's the way, you know, this campaign, at least as far as I'm concerned, will be conducted. And uh, I think in that regard, uh, it will be a positive experience for everyone. Up next, we'll talk about the former mayor of Indianapolis who is now considering a run for Congress. I'll talk with the panel about all the candidates who could be taking a look at this race. Plus, We'll preview next week's presidential debate and talk about the controversy in South Bend as Mayor Pete Buttigieg deals with the aftermath of a police action shooting. Let's bring in our panel now, Republican strategist Jennifer Hollowell, former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner, former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy, and former communications director for Senate Democrats, Alicia Schrock. Boy, all the titles, it's just a lot. Uh, let's go <laughs> ahead and start. With, let's start with the, uh, the race, uh, the 5th District race, Susan Brooks' retirement. Jennifer, I'm going to start with you because you have worked with uh, Greg Ballard before. So what do you think? Is he uh, looking at running in this, in this race? Yes, I spoke with Mayor Ballard this week. He is seriously considering it. Uh, I think he's an interesting candidate because he comes into the race or would come into the race with significant name ID and his own independent brand that has been very successful. And obviously he's been uh, pretty high profile in the Indianapolis media market, which the district covers. But that being said, I think as we look at this district, there are a couple of important things that Republicans have to understand. The first is this is not a safe Republican seat. Times have changed. This district has changed. And so this is going to be a potentially more competitive race. And if we nominate someone 
like a Richard Murdoch, if we nominate someone who's further to the right, then we risk losing it in the general election. Well, Jennifer Wagner, Democrats have targeted districts like this one, suburban districts that maybe they thought were out of reach, maybe not this cycle. I think, well, thank heavens, I don't think Richard Murdoch is eligible to run in the 5th district. I guess he could. He but can. He could, really but can. I, I'm yeah. hopefully not on your list of candidates. But <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, Jen makes really good points there. This is not a safe Republican district, and I think whoever comes out of the Republican primary heaven only knows how many people will be in it, it's going to have to be someone who can run competitively in the Marion County and suburban area that this district represents. I think it's a great opportunity for Democrats. Uh, if we can get a strong candidate who can uh, put money uh, behind him or herself and attract national attention, I think we could pick this seat up. Especially if they're, they're former in-focus Oh, pundit, stop. Right? Well, you're talking about <laughs> our, our friend uh, Christina, Christina Hale. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I mean, your thoughts. I mean, Mike, Mike Delf is well, someone who's also been uh, been yeah. been talked about, but he's that a, is someone the, who focuses more on social issues as opposed to economic Delph, issues. Delf falls into the Richard Murdoch part of the party. Um, I would probably have to disagree with uh, Jen on one thing. I think Greg Bauer was a great mayor, good friend. Obviously, you know, you talk to him probably more often than I do, certainly. But I think that it would be a step down for him, frankly. He, he directly impacted the lives of a million people every day, and beyond that, when you think about the donut counties, when he was, when he was mayor, I don't think he would understand, or maybe does understand, or appreciates how much it stinks to be a freshman member of the minority. It won't even matter if he shows up, because he'll get crappy assignments, they won't let him pass any bills, he's in his probably late 50s, I'm guessing, I would more likely lean toward suggesting that a young female Republican run like Aaliyah McGrath, Kelly Mitchell, somebody who is young enough to hang in there until they get the majority back in four, six, eight years, and then be able to move up in seniority. Ballard's not going to be a long-term congressman. He just, he's, he's starting off too late if he does, in fact, run. Elise, your thoughts? I mean, just to kind of summarize what you guys have said, it's Mike Delft's primary to lose, and there have been tectonic shifts in uh, the makeup of this district. I think that there are a number of strong Democrat candidates that have come out um, that will likely come out in the future. A lot of strong Democrat women. We saw over the last election that when women run, they do very well. Um, so I'm excited to see what happens. I think we're in a strong position for the Democrat Party. I think it was Mike Dell's primary to lose last primary, and I think he lost it. Um, so but, let's hope he runs again. But one more but thing about <laughs> Ballard. I'd love to see Ballard become the new president of Franklin College. I'd be much more effective as <laughs> the president Murphy, of Franklin job College. Mike Murphy, Jennifer, I want to give you a chance to weigh in again. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I wanted to say I didn't want to monopolize in, on the front end. But, I mean, right now there are probably between 12 and 20 people who are seriously considering running in this district. And, you know, as we've seen, congressional seats don't open up that often. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I think there are a handful of women who are looking at it. And that could be interesting if they're if they're ready and prepared, but we also have a lot of legislators who may be interested, and there also may be people who are going to self-fund. You know, there could be a businessman or woman who comes in and decides to put their own money in and changes the dynamics. There will be a lot to follow. Also this week we're talking about the first presidential debates, now just days away. A lot of focus on South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg, as we mentioned earlier, but what kind of a debate will we see? Earlier this year, Dan spoke exclusively here in the studio with DNC Chair Tom Perez about this debate process and the large number of candidates in the field already. I welcome that. I think that's a great challenge to have. It's a deep field. I've had the privilege of uh, working closely with the vast majority. And what I think all the Democrats have in common is they understand that uh, we have to win in November of 2020. 
All right, that's what he told us earlier this year, but this is an extremely large field, a good thing or a bad thing for the Democrats this year? Let's, let's start with you, Elise. I think it's great. I think we have a large opportunity to share our ideas uh, for moving the country forward. I think when you look at uh, 2016 in the Republican primary, there were, I think, around 17 major political candidates. So this is not unlikely. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing the ideas that our uh, candidates put forward. Mike, is there a danger of these Democrats all taking shots at each oh, it's, other? It's not so much the, the verbal shots, it's diffusing their money. They're all trying to raise money. This week in 24 hours, Trump raised $24.8 million, more than any Democrat raised in the entire first quarter. They're, gonna, they're going to uh, divide the money, and they're all going to be broke, and they're going to run up against Trump with hundreds of millions, if not a billion dollars, to spend for the general. But don't worry, we've got the liberal media and fake news on our side, so, you know, Trump has to, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think this is going to be a really interesting couple nights of debates coming up, and I think it's, uh, it's a forum that Mayor Pete's going to shine in. Um, he's really good on his feet, he's really quick, um, he's, a, he's a very calming influence, so I'm excited to watch him as well as the other candidates. Now, Mayor Pete did take off a very, very important Democratic event that was happening in South Carolina because of issues that he's facing with a police action shooting there in South Bend. I mean, Jennifer, is that the kind of thing that's going to be coming up in this debate and that questions that Mayor Pete will have to face? Well, I think it's possible. And, and he has had other issues with the African-American community in the city. He also has issues in terms of violent crime. The violent crime rates in South Bend are higher than the state average or the national average. And so those are things that he's going to have to answer to. I think for him, because he has had so much momentum early on, this debate is going to be potentially a make or break. Like, does he keep that momentum or does he fall back? And then as we see everyone probably attacking Joe Biden, we're going to see a lot of Democrats getting really frustrated. Elise, is he well positioned to do that because he's on the second night of these debates with Joe Biden, with Bernie Sanders, with some of the people who are leading in the polls? Sure. I think he's proven time again that, um, like Jennifer said, uh, he really shines in these forums. Um, I think it's where he's at his best. He does have that calming effect. He's able not only to speak to issues, but uh, commonly shared values, why they're important. Um, I think he'll do that. I, I think uh, he'll be able to hold his own. Is he going to face ch ch uh, very tough questions well, about sure things that are going on in the South African American community because of the police shooting, because he's at zero percent in South Carolina in the polls among African Americans? He issued some kind of an apology this week, saying, "I wish I had a more more diverse police force, and I, I will commit to that in the future." Well, he's only he's got less about a year if he's going to be president, but it's hard not to look good. Uh, when you're up against Biden, because Buttigieg does not generally make mistakes, and all you have to do next week for Biden to Biden is say James Eastland, Strom Thurmond, and you can sit there and laugh and watch him squirm. Well, is that going to be a problem for the vice president? Some of the uh, the gaffes that he's already made that he's been known to do in the past. Yeah. Yes, I think that is going to be an issue for him, as will his age. I mean, look, he is an older candidate. He has a long record, and he's going to have to defend it. And he's going to have to do a better job than he did this week. He did not do a great job of answering those those questions. And, and as it relates to you know race relations and Mayor Pete, I also think it's worth saying that this is a situation that no executive, no mayor, no governor, no police chief would ever want to find themselves in. And so... I hope that we're all able to take a take a step back and let this process play out, let the grieving happen in the community of South Bend, and maybe not overly politicize it. 
We have just a few seconds left, Jennifer. Any, any other thoughts as to what we can expect from these debates? Well, I think one thing will be interesting is to watch President Trump's Twitter during the debates because I think we expect that he's going to live tweet some of his commentary he's be on overseas, these candidates. Isn't he, for the G20 oh, when that's this a, that's happens? That's a two-bag of popcorn Twitter watch. <laughs> right. Absolutely. That's going to be fun. Okay. Well, up next, remember when Rupert ran for governor. I'll talk with the Hoosier reality star about his brief stint in politics. That's coming up next on In Focus. He was one of the most unlikely candidates ever for governor of Indiana. Reality TV star Rupert Bonham ran as a libertarian in 2012, losing to Mike Pence. Rupert made his return to reality TV this season on the CBS show Amazing Race. Recently, I talked with him about his short political career when we visited Rupert at his new hometown of Shelbyville. Crazy me, you know, I'm a dreamer. I've dreamed big. I thought if I got my message out, if I actually showed what I'm doing, who I am, how I could bring accountability to our government, the answers that I really had, I would win. I see now that was a little, that was a little silly thinking that I could win as a libertarian. Rupert was more successful on reality TV, using his winnings to help start his mentoring program in Indiana. More of my interview with Rupert Bonham on Wednesday on CBS 4 News at 11, right after the season finale of Amazing Race. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Elise, I'll start with you. Winners are the first graduates of the Mayor's uh, Latino Youth Leadership Program. Losers, uh, Curtis Hill's an evergreen loser until he's held accountable for his actions, but truly everyone who steps foot in the State House has a responsibility to do much better to make that place welcoming for women. Mike. Two winners. Since Tony's not here, Donald Trump's the winner this week. $24.8 million in 24 hours. Just amazing. And my other winner has to be Alicia Johnson, the new IPS school superintendent. Tough job ahead. Jennifer. I'm going to go with both of those. Alicia is outstanding. I got to work with her when I worked with the IPS board. Um, and I'm going to just uh, riff a little bit on uh, the Curtis Hill thing. It is, it is unconscionable to me that people on both sides of the aisle were condemning those victims and not supporting them. And I hope that we do better. Jennifer, you get the final word. So my winner is Congresswoman Susan Brooks for her, for her leadership and the way in which she's handled this, stepping down or making this announcement early um, so that we can have a thoughtful process in selecting a nominee. My losers are AOC and Joe Biden. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you again next Sunday on In Focus.